This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Matt, Connell, here we are, back in rather a hot studio. Sitting in the sauna. Yeah, we are. I feel like we should be sitting in here with with towels on, you know. Are saunas even still a thing? Oh, do you want a towel? No, no, it's okay. I don't need a towel. I actually just wondered then, the sauna's still a thing. Is that a... I was there today. Hey? I was in one today. Oh, you're kidding. Really? I was in one today. Oh, that is so random. <laughs> 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 Who goes to the sauna anymore? What are you, out of the that? 80s or something? No, was no, it a time no. machine or was it really a sauna? That sauna's good. Oh, wow. It's packed out as well. Just... Some of us has to work, Matt. But Wasn't Kyle, that a bit of a health just... myth about this? Anyway, it doesn't matter. This yeah. isn't about... Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. This isn't about that's that, That's not is the it? perspective we're wanting to take. No, no, that's we, right. We, yeah. we, are, we are in our Worldview Perspective Series and we're up to the, the next episode from the last episode, we're kind of losing track of where we're up to. I think it's episode the next, six. Where are the next episode after the last episode? That's right. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Welcome, everyone. As as per our previous episodes, we've got Connell with us. Uh, Connell's one of our uh, great friends and a, and, a, and a deep thinker, almost too deep for me most of the time. And of course, Pastor Matt and myself, Stuart. And it's uh, great to have you with us for Perspectives. And uh, I, I'm not sure what episode number we're up to, but we're up to number six in our series on worldview. Mm. Matt, jump into ethics. Oh yeah, well, um, on on our on our double axis, one of the things that we've recognised is that that it dramatically changes how we conceive of ethics, a sense of any sense of right or wrong. Yep. If you're just working on a trajectory between pleasure and pain, then. Uh, it's you know whatever maxim maximizes pleasure is good you know whatever causes pain is bad uh that's actually that you know that's known as that's a sort of known as utilitarian approach um it's it's very difficult actually even to sort of uh qualify what like in in terms of pleasure and pain uh are we talking like what you know there's so many different forms of pleasure and and anyway there's some comp- com- complexities uh along that but um when you add the vertical axis, an axis that moves between the sacred at the top and a sense of defilement at the bottom, you're speaking essentially, uh, you're adding an aspect of reality that deals with purpose. Mm. You know, th- there's actually there's actually a sense, if we're talking about sacred, we're talking about something that has a sacred purpose. Yeah. Or, per- or to, to clarify though, purpose, that's not the purpose we've set, but purpose yeah, that's set right. by yeah, someone Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because our purpose would be to get to pleasure, but... Yeah, if, that's right. Exactly. So there might be, you know, we, we, we in common language talk about things that are sacred to us. Yes. Yeah. But sacred in the absolute sense uh, is sacred by some transcendent uh, measure. And, and it's, 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 you know, it's a religious term, really. Uh, and so... Uh, it speaks of purpose. Now, one of the interesting things is with a uh, pretty much up until very in very recent history, it was always understood that all of reality was imbued with some kind of purpose, that it was all moving somewhere. So there was some sense of um, what in philosophy you refer to as teleology. It was moving towards an end, telos is end in, in Greek. And so, you know, even uh, even philosophers you know philosopher like aristotle had this sense that everything is moving on a trajectory to actualize its potential and so to become everything is wanting to become what it essentially is so the acorn is always going to become the oak tree right you saw all of reality right unfolding like that yep and so uh so it had this had this sense that there's this you know what 
uh, a human being is and what uh, you know what a tree is and what a, you know everything that there's a there's an essential sense of what that you know what that is um, and to become that uh, in the fullest and best sense is really the end of everything that was uh, Aristotle's idea theologians throughout church history have tended to agree with that and take on that idea because of course God created human beings to be something particular right it's yep. not, not just we, we don't get to make up what we want to be or who we are or uh, we we were created children of God and we were created to reflect God's uh, image and uh, participate as uh, as Peter says in in his uh, I think it's uh, second letter Peter talks about participating in the divine nature and so there's a sense in which you know th- there's there's this that's where the sacredness of humanity comes from there's this purpose but one of the one of the things to note there is that that then completely changes your sense of right and wrong right because if there's a purpose then it's not just about whether something gives us pleasure or pain. It's whether it actually moves towards fulfilling that purpose. So something can be painful, and yet, as we've recognized, yeah. it can have this sanctifying effect. It can, it can elevate us and, in a sense, work to strip away things and recover, our, our, recover the divine image. You know, that's something that we've talked about already. Uh, so that completely ch- changes um, you know, a sense of right and wrong. So I- any... Any sense of right and wrong has to have reference to a sense of what we think is the ultimate good for us. You have to you have to have that sense of what the ultimate good is for us uh, to say, well, this this is not tending. This line of action is not tending toward that or or otherwise. So um, and then that um, and this is where I want to get to. And if if you didn't understand all of that. Um, uh, another way of saying all of this is that our sense of right and wrong has reference to a story. The Bible is a story. It's the story of how God created the universe. Man fell away from God. It's the story of redemption. Uh, it's it's a story that you know that that unfolds has a direction and a destination. And so, everything pertaining to right and wrong actually has reference to that story. It's been pointed out and I think this is very true, that everyone, even if you deny, because one of the, the trend in the last sort of, you know, 40 or so, uh, probably over 50 years actually, has been to deny all big, you know, deny, well, meta narratives. So, so because th- there's a sense that we, we don't really know what's, you know, the, the idea of a, any kind of governing story imposed upon life is, it's all artificial. You know, it's like, uh, people resist that because they believe that you know it's this idea that the the pow- you know powerful people invent these stories to control yeah to control they put themselves as the heroes and other people and this is where you belong in the story and this is where I belong and so there was this not only skepticism around meta narratives mm. you know understanding reality in terms of one big story but actually an outright hostility to that the word yeah. meta meta uh, narrative is yeah. really backing away from the idea of a big, all-encompassing. Well, no, no, no. It? I, it's a, sorry. I should um, a meta, and we think meta. What do we think of? <laughs> we think of Facebook. Uh, yeah, we think of Facebook. <laughs> meta is is you know is sort of the over you know uh, overarching you know has reference to something that's overarching above Everything all embracing. Else. Right, that's what I meant. 
like it's like an overarching yeah like that a big yeah that's right big so, narrative yeah, yeah that's right so so a meta narrative is a big overarching narrative as yep. opposed to I guess everybody's got a narrative we're all living in some kind of narrative or some sort of well story. I mean this is interesting because a lot of because it's been denied that that there is really an over that that we just we almost just make up the story as we go along. Uh, that that's the you know and and in fact sort of make ourselves uh, as we go along. Well, maybe the story's simpler though. Yeah, the, sim- the story the story that we live in now, if you set aside the meta narrative, yeah, is it's essentially right and wrong is defined by whether or not it's hurting someone or yeah that it, it's a very and you're right yeah it's a very small story and it doesn't really get much bigger than that. Other than that, we all just keep out of each other's yeah. way in terms of, you know, imposing values and things on people. Yeah. As long as we abide by that story. Yeah, that's very true, good. actually, because the, uh, it, it's been argued, actually, that it's impossible for us not to have a story. Mm. And I think very compellingly it's been mm. argued. Um, the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor essentially argues that, uh, you you know, this idea of just denying that there is – because we actually all – we all understand ourselves in, mm. in, in terms of a story. I mean, th- think about some of these sort, of, and and let's think, you know, say about ethics. So, we have this idea of uh, even a, even a sort of a Darwinian story, you know, a Darwinian view of the of the yep. universe. Okay, mm-hmm. now difference uh, Darwin. When I speak of Darwinian and Darwinianism in this sense, I'm speaking in, in a in the bigger uh, like Darwinian worldview, which is slightly different to. A Darwinian science. Yeah. Uh, um, it's it's the application of Darwinian principles to all of reality. Well, okay? it's the end, which is very popular these it's days. It's the philosophical implications of evolution. We're not talking about evolution. Yeah. Or the science of evolution. We're talking about the philosophical mm. endpoint of where that sort of Takes, leads people. Yeah. Well, it's natural. It's been uh, the the principle of of uh, the fact that you know that we think now we can account for the development mm. of not only life but people of reason well if if we can if we can account for the development of life through this theory yep. then we can account for the development of everything through this theory so it's become a uh, it's been extended and this is what uh, the the philosopher daniel dennett does uh, in a book called darwin's dangerous idea is that he says this idea can be all embracing and all of reality it's just one mm-hmm. algorithm open ended algorithm it's not going anywhere yeah. it's just development for development's sake right now the thing is is that's a story right it is, yeah it's a meta narrative it's a story and it actually has no it has no rational undergird like it's there's no you can't verify that story uh-huh. i mean you know you can point to you can point to evidence of development i mean most people within biology don't deny that at some level evolution uh, yep. has happened at the micro level at least yep. so yes you can but that still doesn't that's not that's not really evidence for this all embrace making an all embracing view of reality that this is the ultimate you know because yep. even because you could have you could have elements of evolution within a, a, a creation framework. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, so the problem with evolution isn't so much where you stand on the science of evolution. Yeah. Let's assume that's all true and, and given what questioning that. The problem with evolution is it then starts to construct a story around that. Yeah, that's right. Which that's the bit that yeah, that's, we that, could say, that's right. well, that we actually don't accept yeah. the story that follows on from yeah, from, from which that. which actually doesn't exist because it's made up as we 
as we go along in reality. And this is where people are saying the social, the cultural social constraints that we think are the norm or are right or ethical mm. are just constraints we've put in as we've continued to evolve culturally. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's there's no other reference yeah, than there's nothing else than what you know. So so right and wrong yeah. could be, uh, as uh, I think it was uh, Michael Ruse, a contemporary philosopher, argues uh, for values based on evolution. He said, "Well, you know, we are we are the most evolved creature in the universe, mm. and so uh, we need to keep uh, we need to do what we need to do for the betterment of." That process, you know what I mean? We yeah. need to keep evolving that mm-hmm. that's the yeah. – now, that's problematic, particularly if it's mm-hmm. like if you've got natural selection and so forth and it can become very problematic. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the point is is that – my point is, is that that's a story. Mm-hmm. It's a story that, that people tell that doesn't really have any more basis it's, it's, uh, than, uh, than the biblical story in, in the sense that it's, it's an object of faith, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And, uh, and so it just – so even so, – and let me, let, here's another uh, example. You know, people say in the area of values and moral debates, and there's a lot of we, – we live in a very moralistic time. I don't know if you noticed that, but people get very indignant mm-hmm. about certain, you know, certain things. And, and in those fiery moments, you know, they might uh, talk about something being – it's just that's just medieval. Those are moments where they betray the fact that they're thinking within the framework of a story. Because if any, any moral sensibility that I have – has to have recourse to some kind of framework. Like, mm-hmm. like, so what story is that part of? Well, mm-hmm. it's part of a story that says that, you know, there was this wonderful sort of Greek, uh, Greek Greco-Roman thing, and then there was like these dark ages when, when, when the church and superstition took over, and, and then there was the Enlightenment, right? And we got back to reason, right? And now, and now we're, we're on this wonderful journey of progress, right? Yeah. And we're, you know, and we're, we're progressing. And there's, ev- of course, there's evidence uh, for that, but actually, there's a whole lot of uh, abundant mm-hmm. literature to the contrary, saying yes. In in a lot of respects, we are evolving, but a lot of respects we're devolving. Like our technology is as problematic as it is advantageous. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. But there's the belief in a story of progress, right? That yeah. and and this is so. For example, this is this is the story that dominated, uh, that even started to dominate, you know, in the 19th century through the whole colonialist kind of thing, that this is civilization and, and we have advanced. And the problem was that it was a progress story. Uh, it was a civilization progress enlightenment story that got mixed in with the Christian message. This was the problem. Yeah. But actually, it, it was a story about, you know, we've progressed, you know, we're technologically advanced. And, you know, we go in, into these environments where there are these primitive people and we don't take them too seriously. And probably, you know, there was a lot of evolutionary theory in there, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they are less evolved, therefore, yeah. than we are. And that mm-hmm. was all, all of that, that was mixed mm-hmm. in very much in the yeah. 18, in the 1800s. And so we're going to do uh, this because we think it's good for you. Yeah, that's right. you don't know that it's good for you now, it's good for yeah, you. Yeah, so the, you know, ideals yeah. of civilization. I don't know if yeah. you guys have been, what, one, I, 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 I love the the um uh, the program the crown on uh, I've been watching yeah, that, that series and uh, you know you hear, I've heard a couple of times on that you know in terms of what does the monarchy stand for and it stands for the ideal of civilization you know it represents this ideal of civilization and uh, and it's an interesting one because that's a story <laughs> that we tell ourselves that is essentially essentially it's a story about humanistic progress mm. you know it's a story that 
is um, very consciously advocated by a contemporary philosopher called Steven Pinker. In, he's written a book called Enlightenment Now. And he argues that we will solve our problem. We, you know, that human beings have always adapted. It's the, it's, he tells, it's the ultimate story of humanistic progress. Mm. We will solve our own problems with our own technology. Human beings are getting better and better and better. The world is getting better. And, and, you know, he, he cites a lot of evidence uh, to show that in a lot of respects it has. Now, the interesting thing is, a lot of the elements that have made things better actually come from a Judeo-Christian un- undergirding value, which yep. you know, which is interesting. But you can see there's a story that's mm. being there's a story that's being told there. But we're telling the story, really, aren't we? Like I'm just trying to think of that meta narrative that you were talking about before. It's almost like that is maybe that the problem that the world has with that is it's actually being coming from outside in. There's a story that we're weaving. As humanity, yeah. In, in terms of we construct, we want to be in control of the story. Absolutely, we, we want to be. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it, yeah. We're, we're con- telling our own story. It's yeah. the difference between yeah us telling the story or something outside telling us. What that's the right. Story it's it's is. the counterpart to us determining our mm. own our own identity. Mm. Yes. If we're going to determine our own identity, if we're going to determine what's right and wrong, that is, we determine it. Yeah. Then we've got to come out with we've got to come up with our own story. Justifies uh, can, that justifies yeah. our sense of right and wrong and our sense of identity, mm. right? And ultimately, that becomes uh, a story of, you know, a story of enlightenment and, and being, you know, now we're more enlightened and all of those medieval values and, you know, those, those yeah. Christian ethics. And the irony is actually that, and this is an in- another interesting thing that's been pointed out, is a lot of these values have actually been key, actually, to making the civilization actually what it is. It, mm. it, it's significantly empowered, uh, you know, Judeo-Christian values have significantly I- empowered our civilization. Mm. And that's been abundantly pointed out in, you know, for example, Rodney Stark in The Triumph of Christianity, um, Tom Holland in his book Dominion, uh, both coming fr- from, that's non-Christian yep. historians, mm-hmm. I'll emphasize that. Yep. Yep. But, you know, they've made the point that actually what really has powered this civilization have been these values. But see, what happened was one of the most important contemporary uh, uh, philosophers, Alistair MacIntyre, has written his very famous book called After Virtue. And in this book, he basically shows how during the Enlightenment period, which is sort of roughly, you know, like uh, sort of 16, uh, you know, 1600s, late 1500s, uh, 16th century through to the probably uh, 18th, uh, late 18th century, um, that the Enlightenment and, and the scientific revolution, that, that what, what we tried to do is that with, with a grounding and a real taste for Judeo-Christian um, values, uh, our civilization, because all these religious wars, you know, particularly after the Reformation and, and, you know, the Catholic, you know, and it's like, well, we need a, everyone's fighting now over, over beliefs. We need to find another basis for for our values, right? Mm-hmm. Something that that doesn't that isn't based on past authority. Okay? Yeah. And so they thought, well, what what, what the obvious choice here is reason. It's going to be something based on reason, right? Mm. So they set about. They embarked uh, Enlightenment thinkers 
people like Descartes, Locke, Hume, Immanuel Kant, uh, if it matters, these names, these are <laughs> names of philosophers, you know, they, they embarked on this project, right, we're going to find a rational, purely rational mm-hmm. basis, right, for values, for ethics. And so they threw out the old, the, the old, well, no, no reference to author, we'll throw out the old, uh, dig up the old foundation. Yep. And we're going to, and, and, and in its place, we're going to build a new foundation based on autonomous human reason. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of these people were believers, but they wanted to make something that was universally recognizable, mm-hmm. which in some way, in some ways, that's a commendable idea. The problem, here's the yeah. problem though. The problem is, is that after uh, sort of 300 years, they failed completely, mm-hmm. right? And everyone acknowledged that they'd failed. So now we had no foundation in, author- in, in you know, we'd had no religious foundation yeah. and we had no rational foundation for morality. Mm-hmm. We just had no foundation. A vacuum. <laughs> so, yeah. so we had this, this sort of vacuum and, and, and what it all came back to, it, it just in the vacuum uh, – it, it it all became about me realizing my own happiness essentially yeah yep. uh, that's that's a crude sort of summary of it but that's good. but you get this sort of expressive individualism that i just and no one know. else's rules matter just my rules so long yeah. as i don't hurt you yeah that's right yeah so it's almost like you couldn't you know they'd sort of uprooted something and it's interesting that a lot of things were based on that, like the, you know, the American, that declaration, you know, that talks about the, you know, the human yep. rights and yep. uh, and all that sort of, all of that's, ba- you know, sort of based on that kind of rational, you know, that because that, they said, you know, we hold this to be self-evident, yeah. right, which is a statement yeah. about rationality. Yeah. Now, the fact, it's actually not self-evident, no, no, <laughs> this is the no. thing, it's not self-evident. Yeah. But I mean, the time, at the time when those guys wrote that, they thought it was self-evident, yeah. but it turns out that that was completely contestable and yeah. it actually lost the contest. You right? Know, what's interesting too, as you said, that was started by people who were believers or most likely to yeah, be yeah. believers. It's interesting because that would mean that it's almost like we make that mistake now because we kind of, we've got our worldview, but in order to interact with the world, we kind of, go, let's set our worldview aside and let's create a version of it that uses the world's narrative to make it unifying. Yeah. So it's something that they can understand. Yeah. That's that- So we pitch to that. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, you want to be happy, so Christianity is going to make you happy. Now, there's some – look, you know, I think we have to – that's an interesting point, actually, because well, to some yeah. extent you have to connect with the felt needs and concerns – of the people that we want to speak to. Yeah. But the mistake is then, well, I guess the, the mistake is you actually exchange your worldview. Yeah. Because the whole point of this yep. last lot of episodes is to, to say that really almost what we talk is difficult to even comprehend what it is that we're saying. Our values don't even make sense unless you understand the worldview that we're talking about. But if you set that aside and then try to take a different worldview, which is the the world's worldview and reconstruct something that re-emphasizes yeah, like some a Christian the, faith that is we, along that flat axis, which up, is what happens. We end up with something yeah. that is like a corrupted mm. yeah. uh, version of it that actually does more damage because it kind of almost looks, <clears throat> it looks and feels a bit like what Christianity is saying, mm. yeah. but it's actually, it's not. It actually looks hollow. Which, and, and it happens all the time. Yeah. That 
exact thing happens all the time because it's, you know, we try to, you know, we try to construct a, like a one-dimensional Christian faith mm. that answers those felt needs, that sits within that, you know, this is going to bring you the most pleasure. This is going to be, you know, uh, this is going to help you to realize your dreams and desires yeah. and wealth, health and prosperity or whatever. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the sort of motivational kind of um, what has been referred to as interestingly as therapeutic deism. Okay. It's, the, it's the God that, that comes in and just helps you out every now and again mm-hmm. to achieve your dreams and goals because isn't that what life's about, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, no, it's not actually <laughs> because, because the story, actually the biblical story, is much different to that. So while we need to speak to the felt concerns of our culture, we need to be really careful actually to retain our multidimensional worldview because actually there's something in our worldview that speaks, and this is what we've been saying, that speaks powerfully actually to a felt but unidentified felt need mm-hmm. in a sense and and this is the this is the point mm-hmm. that is often made and 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 uh, Jonathan hate the the um social psychologist Jonathan hate H I D T in his book the happiness hypothesis this is one of the key elements that he talks about that is vital for human well-being is this experience of spiritual elevation mm-hmm. and it's from his book actually that I, you know I've created a simplified version it's actually taken from his book, but it's, it's that my double axis uh, is a slightly simplified version of something that he uses. But see, he, you know, it's interesting because he says we think we think in terms of this one single axis, you know, the pursuit of pleasure, but uh, and, and happiness. But actually, ultimate happiness requires some engagement with the sublime and the sacred, and the, mm-hmm. that we appear to be wired for this dimension of, of human existence. Yeah. We 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 clearly wired for a sense of transcendent purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need purpose is one of the sort of intrinsic elements of of our well-being and happiness that's been abundantly mm-hmm. recognized uh, in the literature yeah. uh, a sen- you know sense of purpose right to mm-hmm. to to life and we you know we're we're built and wired for that and mm-hmm. so i think uh, we have this powerful testimony mm-hmm. you know if if we hold on to our worldview to speak into that but actually to bring a whole other dimension to what is a felt need but but i think an unidentified in some ways, you know, because there's all this. I think the needs identified, but the way to satisfy that need, we try uh, to you use. Know, you don't think the needs uh, identified? Well, it's. I think it's like it's not really articulated. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's right. Yeah, you're I right. I think we go after all that stuff in our jobs and our wealth and our whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe a better way to put it is that it's almost like disguised. It's not. It's not recognized. It's it's a little bit like. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. It, um. The point that um, that Michele Eliada makes is that we we've lost we've gotten rid of religion in, in his terms. He's, he's a yep. you know, secular yeah, yeah. philosopher. We've got rid of religion, but we're religious beings fundamentally, you know. And so we. So how does he and, come and up so, with that though? How does he how does he decide that we're religious beings? Uh, because he he's, he's that has to that means he has to accept. Yeah, because he takes an answer. Well, it's not that actually he's not a believer. I think he, you know, I think he probably was, okay. but he, he gets that from in, in a very general sort yeah, of yeah, sense. You sure. know, uh, I, he gets that from a sort of almost an anthropological point of view. Like he looks at, sees that everywhere people are thoroughly religious. He just says we we are religious. There's never mm. been a culture that mm. has not had mm. some form Even of if it's religion. A naturalistic origin. Yeah. Yeah, like still I, be a naturalistic yeah, right. origin that we we kind of look outside ourselves as if something 
is does transcend our yeah, own yeah. individuality and existence, even if there isn't. Yeah, that's we, right. We feel that there is. That's right. So the yeah. religious impulse, he says, is absolutely irrepressible. Yeah. And it comes out. Exactly. <clears throat> and it comes out in all sorts of different weird ways. When we suppress it, it comes out in, you know, searches for significance and, and, and all sorts of quasi-disguised religious behavior. Mm. And he goes and, and talks about all this different sort of uh, religious-style behavior. Even, even you know, referenced before, the sort of moralism that we – that you know, like people really – uh, with this driving sense of purpose, with this sense of morality, this sense of right and wrong that's all a bit garbled, all a bit self-contradictory, and it, it comes out as this almost religious-like behaviour, you know, where, where, where people uh, want to almost take these prophetic stances to, you know, and, and, and moralise about these issues and create a world that's – and, and – and, yeah. Fight for this cause, and and it's all really religious behaviour, you know. And and people do that. It's great, you know, great self sacrifice, and and form communities around that. And it's, it's and a naturalist would argue that that's why we've kind of evolved to where we are is because of our ability to look out beyond ourselves rather than well, just completely be. Ah, uh, yeah, there, there are there are um, naturalistic explanations. For religious behaviour, uh, one of the actually the, one of the most annoying things. <laughs> it's like it's just so I get so annoyed because people cite that you know, like I sometimes ask people, oh, well, you know, why don't you believe? Oh, well, I believe religion. You, like I'll say, you know, what you know, why don't you believe in God? Or and they say, well, I believe that religion is a result of, and they talk about history yeah. that it evolved in this way, and, yeah. and I'll point out that that actually. Atheism isn't the conclusion of those of that. Uh, mm. It actually is the presupposition. Mm. Like you have to presuppose atheism in order to believe that religion just evolved in yeah. this naturalistic yeah, right. way. That presupposes yeah. atheism. Yeah. It's not an argument for atheism. You know, but you're saying it's internally inconsistent. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, only yeah. I mean, it's I'm it's. Being, I'm saying it has a it has an unjustified. Presupposition. It's, you know, that they're arguing from a presupposition. So they first presuppose, well, there's no God. Mm. So we need to account for religion in terms of a naturalistic, historical, evolutionary process that maybe it's some leftover. I mean, Mm. uh, Dawkins' argument is some stupid argument about, excuse me, getting annoyed here, but some stupid argument about, you know, some leftover. What is he, what does he call a hyperactive? uh, Oh, man. um, A hyperactive. Agent detection device. Okay. In that we've evolved. So, you know, so the bushes ruffle, right? And so we've evolved with this survival instinct that when the bushes rustle, we think there's some there's someone there yeah. that wants to kill me. You know, so we, we get used to think where, where we see signs of agency, as in right. someone did it, mm-hmm. and so so that's become hyperactive and it's created we look at the stars and we say Someone there must be it. a god yeah. Yeah. that's the that's so this is like where i said before the problem with evolution let's set aside the science of it let's assume that as a given let's just assume that don't want to have to discuss that this episode but um it's then the story that you tell of it tell from that yeah. those collection you've yeah. taken a collection it's a story you just told a story and and what you've just done there is just told it now, there's absolutely no basis to say no. that you've merely just said that if it if we're looking for an explanation naturally then that's probably the best that we yeah. can come up with 
It's not – that's just a story. Ah, uh, it is. There's a great article actually and listen, and, and this is one I do recommend. I, I should say that I, I throw out a lot of book names and whatever. But that, yes, it's just, you do. That's my – well, look, I mean, you know. Uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, this is just the space that I work in, uh, in, in in the sort of philosophy thing. So, it's sort of my job to yeah. – uh, but I, I just don't want to confuse everyone. So, but I do want to underscore that I don't recommend everything that I that I no. quote from. It's just no. these useful are, to see different. Yeah, number of these views. books are exactly so that so that you can explore different perspectives. They're yeah, not that's books right. that you yeah. go. This this guy's saying something we should pay attention to. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's more understand how other. Yeah, people it's just think. been been across. Yeah. Uh, yeah. been across. So uh, the article you the, the arguments anyway. It's an argument by Aust, uh, Austin Hughes, and it's in a the New Atlantis a journal, mm-hmm. a science journal, and it's called the Folly of Scientism. Uh, and it's a great article where he basically says this whole, like he, he he's an evolutionary scientist, so he he's, and I, I don't know where he's he doesn't say where he's at faith or belief wise, um, but he says guys we are telling a story here by cre- we've created a metaphysical view like he said one of the reasons that I love science is that it was pretty modest about. Mm-hmm what it could do. You know what I mean? We worked with evidence and we didn't go beyond the evidence. Mm-hmm. But he said, now we're, we're like, we've become a religion, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and we're telling these stories about how all of reality, you know, the whole universe has come about. And he said, we're, you know, like theories of everything. We have gone way far. We've, we've you know, gone way into metaphysics mm-hmm. and we've gone way off track. And he, and he, the point of writing the article is that he says, we're actually threatening Science. Yeah, we're right. we're threatening the credibility of science because we're going so far out the uh, outside the bounds of science. No one's going to take science seriously anymore. <laughs> so he that's why yeah, he's yeah, yeah. he's not arguing from a theistic point of view. He's saying, guys, if anyone's going to take science, can we stop doing f- uh, re- this religious quasi religious stuff? You know, yeah. and telling these big stories of, about reality mm-hmm. and about how all reality yeah, unfolded. So, and the risk of that is that you then create a bias where you just want to try to prove the theory. Is correct rather than find the truth. Yeah, you, you know, if science goes off on a theory, it's like, okay, now we're going to spend all our energy and time. Yeah, proving that theory is right when actually it could be because it needs to answer all. Oh, the yeah. answer all the questions. And yeah, this exactly. is, you know, I mean, in, and and this is the bit that annoys me, is that in 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 so much historical literature that does, you know, the origins of mankind mm. and. And there's always this stuff about religion, you know, this like a naturalistic explanation for religion. They tell this story and it's yeah. like, oh, it's the same old unfounded story. Mm-hmm. And it's history going way, be- it's history going beyond history. It's assuming mm-hmm. it's a way of doing history that goes beyond the bounds of the evidence, you know, yeah. that this is how religion evolved. Well, well, if there's no God, yeah. then that's how it would have happened. What you if know, there was? But yeah. that's right. You know. Yeah. But you're you're not actually. You're just assuming. Oh, oh. Well, there's no God, and and so therefore this is how history happened. Mm-hmm. But you've completely, you know, yeah. you've completely not justified your your yeah. you know your original your first, uh, your first premise. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's and, and and so I, you know, so that just gets ingrained again and again. I, you know, it's like on documentaries and 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 you know, it always talks about how religions came about and this mm-hmm. whole and it's the same. It's what you were talking about before when you talk about the little stories that we yeah. tell. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always part of a bigger story, you yeah. know, isn't it? Because it's like to tell that little, those little historical stories. Yeah. Um, well, they only work if you consider them in isolation. Yeah. Like if you only just take the little story and just treat it as that. And yeah. And you don't go outside that because then you don't see all the problems with those little yeah, stories even, start to fall yeah. apart. 
Even the story about Christianity is mm. when when that story is told is hugely problematic, because wherein does Christian history lie? Does it lie in because when we do history, what do we look at? We look at conflict, you know, yeah. great battles, kings and queens, power struggles, mm. country borders, country borders, yeah. Yeah. like that's history, right? Mm. In 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 our sense, now it's very clear from the teaching of Jesus that that's not where that the kingdom of God will affect that mm. and interact with that. Mm. But that's not where the kingdom of God, he said that it will be like yeast mm. through the dough. It'll be like a little mm-hmm. seed becoming a tree, right? So it's, it's grassroots. It's not, it's not about battles and power struggles. And, but, you know, so, so what historians do is they, they look at, you know, they look for the battles and the power struggles that had the stamp Christian stamp on it, because yeah. let's face it, if you want to manipulate a large group of people, mm-hmm. The tool that you're going to grab hold of to do that is a religion is a really good tool to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't make religion false. It actually testifies to to how powerfully compelling it is to yeah. the human conscience, yeah. right? Yeah. So just but just because people misuse it doesn't make doesn't mean that it's not true, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we're we're told this story about uh, you know about church history that's you know that makes it look like. All, it's, all, it's all power struggles and corruption and kings and queens and the, you know, people killing each other in the name of God. It's like, yeah. no, no, a biblical view of Christian history does not. That's not where. That's not where it's happening. It's all. It's it's the things actually that we don't know about. It's it's the anonymous people that weren't famous, that weren't powerful. I mean, Jesus said that this would be this way. It's yeah. the weak, right? Mm. It's it's the nameless. It's the yeah. weak. It's the the nameless, not the famous, right? It's and so it's the stuff that's not. Yeah. In the historian's eye, that constitutes mm. the real history of the kingdom of God. In that sense, so but there like, is a, there's a story there. That's mm. another story, little yeah. story of the world, which yeah. is to um, cast a dispersion on the Christian story. Yeah. Well, to well, c- um, create a false version of yeah. the Christ, and everybody goes, "Oh, well, that's I'm buying into that story." So that's why Christianity is bad. Well, it's it was, essentially fitting Christianity into, into the into their story. Yeah. Uh, you were saying this yeah. off mic before, yeah. Stu. Yeah. You know that uh, that we see the the sort of Christian story or the biblical story constantly f- sort mm. of fitted into uh, this culture. this mm. secular cultural yeah. story. The mm. story of, I mean, it's not just a story. There's lots of stories, yeah. but the story of you know this sort of evolving yeah. whatever. Mm. You know, so you know when we're talking about this other dimension, there's a tendency then to take the sacred and profane and fit it into that story as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so to account for that, so so people would say, well, they created the sacred so that, well, the king is sacred and he's and therefore you have to do what he said. Yeah. And and defilement is just a way of manipulating yep. you to to do what we want. Well, if you do that, mm-hmm. if you're that, then you then or, you know, yeah. or the sacred could be a thing that I need in order to feel fulfilled. I've got the spiritual dimension in my life. Yeah. That's saying there's Which is just a reworking of the word. But, it, uh, but really, doesn't that yeah. where we kind of devalue words, that when they try to put it back onto that single dimension, mm. the word actually takes on an, another devalued meaning. And I think the, the power of – I think the important thing what we want to say here is that the it is a multidimensional thing. So the, the word sacred, we're not taking word sacred and, and saying – where does it fit in yeah, that line? Like it's between, really important to me, and yes, so it's sacred. Yeah, yeah, it's actually something that it sits on another axis. It's yeah. actually another dimension. It's not pleasure. It's not pleasure. It's not pain. It doesn't even fit on that line, and and it's 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 drawn. Well, that yeah. line's irrelevant to it, really. 
that line, the pleasure and pain line, is 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 almost irrelevant. Well, well, well. I think actually, I think uh, you know the, the idea of the sacred and the, the like that axis probably gives a broader meaning to that. Yes. Horizontal right. axis, if we're going to. Yes. I mean, let's not get True. too caught up on yeah. uh, on this because, in in a sense, it broadens our notion of pleasure. Pleasure suddenly becomes something because you know we yeah, talked right. about the connection mm-hmm. between yeah. pleasure and the sublime. You know, there's this. Yeah. There are these higher pleasures for which, in fact, you know, our our hearts are made for those sort of things. But even the invention of even concepts like that, yes. that people will say, will argue, yeah. that that was invented by power mm-hmm. mongers yes. to manipulate yep. other people and make them seem more important and yep. create a, yep. a sort of a social hierarchy. And so, you know, so you get, and, and I mean, that's, that was a very popular story in, you know, the whole, um, everything is about power and power struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. yep. essentially it's the, it's the sort of Marxist kind of story. Uh, everything is about class struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and it was picked up in the, in the, in the sixties, you know, where every, in, you know, everything is power. You know, everything is about this sort of um, sort of power struggles in, in in society between one group and, and mm. another. And so, you know, and I, so that's a story, isn't it? It's it like is. everything is power struggles, and it and that that that's becomes our story, story right? That's yeah. just a story that that's we right. tell. So I think, and religion fits into that. I want to make story. A, they say. I think we should make a note here. There's another podcast here, another idea that I think we need to explore. <laughs> Ladies is and gentlemen, been, Connell is, been is thinking about the next podcast. Is, this better be a good idea. Is given the multi-dimension axis and the stuff that we've spent all this time talking about that gives a framework to to talk about the things and what our values and, and why we think and, and, and who God is and how a relationship to him, if we were then going to talk to the world and someone who's got no idea, which is probably most people, mm. of that kind of concept. Well, they have yeah. their own story. How, yep. Well, how, how do we get past all of those precon, preconceptions and we, we haven't got hours to sit there and draw axes no, on no, a no, page yeah, and no, go, here's no. the profane and here's the sacred and this. And Yeah, good question. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of like, okay, I'm sitting in front of someone who wants, who's maybe critical of my values and why I think the way I do, the natural thing is to buy their narrative, their story, and me to try to go give good yeah, reasons. Yeah. How do I fit that into their story? Or I, what we really have to be able to do is fit it into the, the bigger worldview that we've been yeah. talking about, but we haven't got hours to, first of all, lay the groundwork on, on what well, that yeah, actually looks like. So how the do you assumption have that there, Yeah, the assumption there... Um, is that to change someone's, you know, for, for someone's worldview to be transformed, that you know, there's a whole lot of sort of in, all of this intellectual stuff mm. that they need to understand. Now, it's not that this is not important, I should say that, seeing we've just spent, <laughs> like, you know, but, but here's the thing, like, I, you know, how did I come to understand? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't work all this out. Into, in fact, I, in fact, I was convinced as a late teen, I was a convinced atheist, yeah. absolute convinced atheist. Now, it was actually an encounter with God that completely transformed my worldview. It's like, you know, oh man, this is, I, it just completely flipped yeah. me upside down, right? And then, you know, I, and then it was after that, it's understanding, you know, it's faith first and then understand, you know, a, a reflection on yeah. something that I, I realized. So I get that, but we get forced into having conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, 
because because you, you, you're right. Are we going to sit here and 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 so you know listen to think? Right, I've got to desperately take notes, and when I'm next having a conversation, I'm going to pull out my notebook and go through everything that all these you know, names as though, and philosophers as though winning an argument, <laughs> yeah. as though win, winning yeah, an yeah, argument yeah, is yeah. going to change That's someone's right. heart. Yeah, well, yeah. it's not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- this it's important that w- I think that as Christians we understand some of this sort of stuff. Totally, but but. Having understood this, we recognize then that actually that, uh, that whole other dimension of the sacred is already built into the person we're talking to. They, they already have a very deep, irrepressible intuition of this. We ourselves actually are windows to that reality. This is the thing. This is why the most powerful thing that you can do is share your story. Be, be, because your story is is the first glimpse that yep. they're going to get of the big story. Yep. You are the window to that bigger story. Yep. You know, yep. you know, we have this tendency to sort of abstract things and want to argue over abstract ideas. Yep. Uh, but actually tell the story, like tell your story and how you and, and why this is so important. Yep. And, and, and what you see in the early church even is, you know, when Paul goes to different places and what does he do? He, he tells his story. He says, this is this is where I was. Uh, and this is how I came to be where I am. Although maybe in that time they hadn't rejected they, they still had a, be- a, yeah, a better mm. model already start like I'm I'm still thinking and what you say is great, we've got to share our story, but I mm. still think people will there's value in at least just diffusing a situation and saying what might look like completely wrong like mm. in your from what I'm saying because of yeah. your worldview in being able to communicate to someone, there's actually, before we even talk about why I think I, what I do, mm. there's something else that I, you need to just understand what I'm saying in this context. Yeah. Right? Because whatever I say is going to sound really offensive in your Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. So what you're saying, yeah, and, yeah. And we, we often don't have the even opportunity to share our story. It's just... You could be on TV, get asked, you know, you're a Christian, you think this, why do you think that? You know, and it's like, uh, well, and watching people which, do which, it. Yeah, which sure happens we, when people I'm find sure out you're we, Christian and ask you, what do you think of this? I'm not sure that we do a very that's good, a good job of that's that. That's a really good point. And, and I, think, I think this is where actually we've got to be careful about being drawn into those theoretical mm. arguments. Like often, often I, uh, like I don't engage with that at that, at that level. You know, I, I will, I will, you know, if people say, well, so do you think this is wrong? And, 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 and I will come back to my, you know, uh, you know, well, I, I actually believe that this is a really sacred element of, you know, of, of, of my life. And, and to me, you know, and, and that means, and so I know it sounds like I'm relativizing it, but it, it just dampens the, because it, it's, it sends the message because the hostility comes from, the power struggle narrative because mm-hmm. they think we're trying to we're trying to take power right mm-hmm. and unfortunately a lot of christian dialogue a lot of christian voices loud christian voices sound like mm-hmm. we're trying to take power in mm-hmm. our nation right now actually that's not how the kingdom of god works. you know works mm-hmm. right so so we've act you know we've actually got to in a way go out of our way to try and sort of counter that like so uh, i'm i'm not I think we want to say, I'm not trying to enforce this on you. Uh, like, let me explain why I, why this is so precious to me, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a better, I think that's a better approach rather than argue about what what people should do or or what you know, actually to try and personalize it as much as possible. That to me, that works. 
that works to diffuse because I'm talking about the choices that I'm making about how I live my life. And then I become a bit of a window uh, to that to that person. And and I and, and I will get I will try as much as possible to get to sharing personally about that and why that is so important to me and mm. and actually you'll find that that does diffuse a lot of the heat in arguments because a lot of the a lot of the when you watch these things get played out a lot of the time it's it does come out it does sound like and this is probably because we haven't got those multi-dimensional axes to refer to so it all comes down to i think it's right i think it's it's just right or it, it's it's right and, and wrong. And mm. it's, it's well, we're actually not saying, well, we're saying it's right or wrong to me, but I'm not saying, Christianity's not saying, I want to stop you from doing that, or I want to discriminate against you because of that, or I want to attack you because of that. Mm. I'm, I, might, I might believe it to be right or wrong because of there's reasons that I believe that, but it comes across as if, where because I think you're doing a wrong thing, you're doing a bad thing, mm. therefore I think that you should be pulled down and attacked mm. or vilified or discri- and that that's we've never said that the power thing yeah and well it, yeah uh, we, we, we've never said that but sometimes people across. take that's it to mean that across. yeah that's how it comes across sometimes I I, I mean I th- another way to put that w- when you're talking about uh, right and wrong on that one single axis. Mm then the only real expression for that becomes a political expression. You know, like mm. uh, this is why uh, people's values automatically turn into politics because it's got nowhere else to go. Like okay. how are we going to change the world, right? Yeah. Well, there's only one option really, and that's politically. That's the only way that if, if you lack any transcendent, you know, mm. you don't believe in God, mm. the only way that we're going to change the world is through politics. This is why people get so passionate about politics, because it's the only way we're going to change things. This is what's so, this, what is so problematic about Christians getting equally passionate, uh, equally mm-hmm. passionate about politics, because we should know better. We should know that isn't actually how Jesus changes the world. Of course, Jesus uses politics at times, and I mean, he can use bad politics or good politics. Yeah. I mean, you you know, the mm. story about the Reformation in England being because Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife, right? Yes. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like, well, I mean, that, you know, the, the uh, you know, that that was used by God to create greater freedom mm-hmm. uh, ultimately in, yeah. in, in England. But the fact is, is that just because I think something's right or wrong doesn't mean that I think it should be enforced on others yeah. politically. Mm. Uh, and so, in fact, I can even think, I could even think that actually because I think this is right, I particularly don't want it to be for, forced yeah. on someone else because I want them to value it for yeah. what it is. But I think this also comes back to the world trying to retell another story. Yeah. They want yeah. you to fall, to tell the story that they're trying to make, which is that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to force your your views on it and your views are just what you happen to think and you're now trying to force that on someone else. So they're casting a story that's like a net that they're trying to to, yeah. to catch you in because that's a story that they that they yeah. that that they want to tell. And I think a lot of the time we fall into that because we kind of get very careful and passive in it. You know, we're not approaching it necessarily confidently, mm-hmm. like going we're taking control of the conversation in mm. a way and, and actually steering it away from ever getting into that territory mm. and reframing it in something 
that allows us as allows us to actually get across mm. what we're trying to say. I'm not. I haven't got the answer for that, and that's been st- playing over in my mind as to how do we draw the, those ideas into a way of actually how we engage in those conversations mm. in a much more healthy, yeah. a healthy way. And that's kind of where I think, mate. You know, it's kind of how do we communicate our perspective and understand their perspective in a more mm. healthy way and that's what this po- these podcasts yeah. are about perspectives and I, I just think we don't want to necessarily shy off and back away from what our perspective and worldview is i think from what no, the things we don't, talked no. about it's it needs to get out there because that's the thing that we're actually lacking we need to get people put it out there so people mm. start asking questions mm. about it and starting they not necessarily understand it but they kind of get little pieces of it go I hadn't really thought yeah. about so it. So being true to it is the way, is, is I think the key right. way to do that right. is actually to live out that story. So, for example, if we play the game of the world, right, mm. trying to win, get power, da, 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 mm. we're living in the wrong story there. You know mm. what I mean? It's the live, that's the wrong story. Yeah. I mean, what was so powerful about the early church is they didn't play the game they didn't yeah. play the, you know, uh, let's be the biggest and the best and the most powerful and the, you know, uh, they they pl- they they were living out a completely different worldview, right? Different mm-hmm. values, mm-hmm. and they didn't they weren't trying to force that on everyone else. Mm. They just modelled that, right? Mm. And and uh, and it had this enormous impact mm. on on a society that were actually at first very hostile because it was different, so different from the values of their society. Mm. They were that people were so hostile towards them, um, but they they really won people over because they weren't trying to force it on. I mean, you know, there's the wrong kind of persecution. The wrong kind of persecution is when I try and play that game and yep. and and force my values on mm. people, and then of course that's going to arouse a re- resentment. Yeah. But uh, you know the right kind of persecution, I guess, is when you know we we as Christians we become a fairly confrontational presence in uh, in society. And uh, but you know I think we've got to be very careful mm-hmm. that we're not playing the wrong game. That we yeah, we yeah. live out our worldview, live in it. We actually can become windows to it. It's like people through us can have this experiential encounter yeah. with the reality of God mm-hmm. just by us living the life that we're meant to live. You yeah. know. So. So for me, the, the thing that keeps coming back to my mind, I think for us in yeah. the church and looking at the examples you often, you, you know, you've talked about, you see on TV and all that kind of stuff, we're, we're really busy about telling everybody what's wrong with their worldview instead of actually reflecting what, and showing what's right yeah. about ours. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, everyone yeah. knows what the church is against. What's the church for? Yeah. And I don't know that we know how to articulate that well, I don't know particularly that, well. I don't know that a lot of people, Christians in the church, could articulate it. And this is why I think this, this whole discussion of all of this series, mm. while we've gone around it quite a long a long route, you know, weaving in and out and all sorts of themes, I think fundamentally That's inside the, the church, yeah. we need, and especially as a lot of people inside the church are scratching their head going, have we got it wrong as Christians? Because... They haven't got the worldview. They ha- they don't actually get the worldview that they even have because they have now adopted the the world's worldview and they're trying to interpret their faith into that mm. and then starting to think, well, mate, actually, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't. It's yeah. never going to make sense in that worldview, and I think that's why it's so important for people to be able to to, to grab hold of it and understand mm. it, so that outside 
when we are having those conversations, mm. we're, we're able to, to give people a better glimpse into the window yeah. that we are, where most of us would go out there and someone brings something up and it makes us feel uncomfortable. We kind of get defensive about it and then we end up buying into the world yeah. and it actually just propagates the wrong mm. the wrong story. Yeah, so all we try to do then is deconstruct their view rather than construct ours, rather than present. Yeah, there's got to be a, a different way of, yeah. Yeah. of, of thinking. Another podcast for sure. And that's why I said like, like, I, I, I think that you know there's going to be an increasing as people move further and further away from uh, acknowledging any element of the transcendent and the mm. sacred and in any sense that's not controlled by them, you know, because there's, mm-hmm. there's, those terms can be used in ways that uh, are, are very convenient and controlled by the individual. But in the genuine sense, as people are starved of that, I think it's going to be a hunger for something real. You know, I, I actually, I know for a lot of people it feels like, oh man, the world's moving, you know, like it's almost like we're getting, we're moving into a much darker space in terms of, you know, any sort of absence of truth and all of this sort of stuff. But remember, light shines more brightly in darkness. Light shines brightly in darkness, and we are the light. So could it be that God's allowing things to get darker so that we shine brighter? I think so. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.